Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thai Gap Podcast. It's a Thai Gap Thursday, which means another new Thai Gap Podcast episode. Thai Gap Thursdays, of course, is when our English podcast episode goes out, and Thai Gap Tuesdays, that's when our Telugu episodes go out. Two episodes every week. But good to have you here with us. My name is Bogus Noog, and this week our episode is going to be on contentment. It's not easy. In this episode, we're going to talk about the context in which we mention contentment, what that means, why is it important to be content in the first place, and why exactly is it not easy today. And in that last section, we're going to be talking about the distinction between want versus need and the interplay between contentment and purpose or ambition, also the distinction between fulfillment and contentment. And then, is there a prioritization in contentment? Hmm, and more. So, stick around. All right, so in terms of context, contentment popularly online is being defined as, you know, a feeling or showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. Another definition goes, contentment is an emotional state of satisfaction that can be seen as a mental state drawn from being at ease in one's situation, body, and mind. You could also say it could be a state of having accepted one's situation and is a milder and more tentative form of happiness. I'm not so sure about that last part. But two different definitions. We've seen a mention of satisfaction and one even goes to say it's a milder form of happiness. Now, I'm generally also interested in digging into the etymology of a word, what are its roots, how this word came about, how was it built. Content is actually split into two root words. One means together, and the other one means either to hold or stretch or like on a string. So basically, if you join these two root words, it sort of means to hold together. And you can see how this word is also used to describe items inside a box, you know, like contents inside a box, so to hold together. But I thought it was interesting that in another way, you could also look at it as to hold together. Can we also say that could mean to hold ourselves together in the present moment? Because any definition you find for contentment, what probably is not explicitly stated is that it's relevant to the present moment. You know, being satisfied with what we have, being satisfied with our status, being satisfied with our situation. All of it seems to imply in the present moment and not really anywhere in the past or in the future. So to hold together could also mean being content is a way for us to hold ourselves together through the present moment. I also want to mention at this point that this episode is related to a previous episode we did called Happiness, It's Not Easy. And in that episode, we try to distinguish between words like happiness, satisfaction, bliss, joy, fulfillment, contentment. The underlying logic being that there has to be a reason why there are all these different words in a language. That implies that all of these words have different meanings. They're probably appropriate for different situations. And unfortunately, in the online discourse, when you come across someone talking about happiness, 
it's become such an umbrella term that people tend to speak of contentment they tend to speak of fulfillment sometimes they tend to speak of joy sometimes but they kind of pass all of that under the name of happiness you know and things tend to get muddled i feel like we really have to clarify once again for ourselves and distinguish once again for ourselves because then actually understanding the concepts and understanding how to go about executing or accomplishing that in our lives would be a little bit easier so for sure check out happiness it's not easy uh either before or after this episode but now let's move on to why contentment is important why do you think contentment is important have you looked up any videos on this particular topic online have you come across any general conventional philosophy about this particular concept what do you think about it let us know at our socials on twitter we are at thigap on instagram we are at underscore thigap you can also write to our email mindthigap@gmail.com it'll be interesting to see your ideas of contentment So why is contentment important in our life? You know as we mentioned in the happiness it's not easy episode when people generally talk about happiness they're referring they seem to be referring to like a constant state and this is what i mentioned in the happiness episode that for me happiness is more like a short-lived moment it makes more sense to use that word for a short-lived moment you know when i'm traveling or when i'm in good company with people that i like and we share a laugh or we have a great conversation or we have a shared experience you know that was out of the blue i tend to find that using the word happy in those situations makes more sense to me personally and also because they are short lived moments you know i might even look back on them well after those moments have passed with you know fondness but when generally people are talking about happiness they seem to be referring to a more constant state you know something that is a bit longer than just a short lived moment and for me that seems to either fit better with words like contentment or fulfillment or you could say joy or bliss like for example happiness if we think of it as an extremely short lived moment and we say okay i'm happy with that sort of classification in my own mind stretch that moment out a little bit more and maybe then i can say okay that's joy because it's lasted just a little bit more stretch that out a little bit more and then maybe i can say okay that's bliss now because it's even longer that seems more of a constant state so contentment in our lives is important because we have to understand or we have to come to peace with the fact that the human condition is to keep switching between either living in the past or in the future we seem to keep going back and forth between the past and the future whereas as we just mentioned before contentment is it seems to be very specific to the present moment so that should give us a hint that if being content in our lives is so important and if contentment has more to do with the present moment then the more we keep fluctuating between the past and the future the lesser chance there is for us to be actually content so let's think of contentment as a baseline state that's in the present moment for example it's just a thought experiment so when i say baseline state i mean a default state you know So from that default state if i have a happy moment then i feel a bit higher than the default state if i have a sad moment then i feel a bit lower than the default state if i have a dull moment then i'm just bored out of my mind and i'm waiting for that moment to pass 
But eventually the default state is what we will all come back to, right? So if contentment is the default state, then it makes sense that this is the state that we're going to experience on average more than any other ups and downs, you know, emotional swings, happiness, sadness, boredom, frustration. Those could just be like spikes on a graph, either up or down. But eventually, most of the time, majority of the time, we experience the default state. So it goes to show just how much influence or impact this default state in our present has our overall experience of our present. So how content we are will have a major influence or impact on our present state. And if that is in a healthy state, you know, if we are positively content, then because of that pleasantness, because of that positive experience on average, maybe then we wouldn't feel so compelled to either escape to the past or, you know, escape away to daydream about the future as much. This is why contentment is so important. Because we tend to talk so much about transitionary, short-lived states like happiness, sadness, boredom, anxiety, you name it. But how much do we talk about the default state that impacts or speaks to our overall experience on average? If we make sure that is in a good state, then there is no need to escape to anything else. So if we don't have to escape to either our past or our future, and if we stick around more in our present, which you know, comes back to that concept of mindfulness, it not only makes it more easier to stay in the present and not escape anywhere else, but maybe we would also chart out more effective plans and actually diligently execute our plans. And maybe that takes us finally to the future that we want to see. And not to mention, you know, the positive impact that being content could have on our mental health and our physical well-being as well. You know, because something like stress not only impacts us mentally, but it has some physiological impacts as well. So all in all, I would say this is why being content is actually so important because the very concept has to do with our present, the present state. The very thing that seems to slip away, you know, from our grasp contentment is the baseline or the default state for that present state. Now let's take a look at why is contentment not easy? I think the first reason why contentment is not easy is because the distinction between a want and a need is, it kind of tends to get muddled, you know, and unless we actually consciously make an attempt to articulate that distinction, it stays in that undefined, vague, muddled state. And unbeknownst to us, we tend to keep flowing from one to the other without awareness of, you know, exactly where we are. So a clear-cut distinction between want and need would go a very long way in helping us to understand what we actually need to be content or how do we start the journey to contentment from wherever we are today. So a want is kind of never-ending in nature. You know, you fulfill a particular want, it's only replaced by another want. That's in the very definition. It's a desire. Desires don't stop. Today I want something. Once I get it, I'll probably be engrossed with it for like 5 to 10 minutes. Now I want something else. And that keeps going. Need, however, is not that. By definition, a need is defined as just the essentials. You know, the bare essentials that you require. That's what a need is. And because of the definition of need, 
you know, being just the essentials, the scope of this word is always going to be limited, right? Because at any given point of time, if you're thinking of a present moment, if I think of what do I need right now, I'm only going to be able to come up with a limited set of items. And then even in those items, you know, if I look back to scrutinize that some more, I'll probably find two or three wants that kind of snuck in, you know, from the side there. So if I eliminate even those to really crystallize my list of needs in a way that they are actually just the bare essentials that I require to be able to do what I want to do, it's always by definition going to be a limited set of things. Whereas a want is not going to be limited in that way. Because those are not just essentials. Those also have a lot of masala. So now we've spoken about the distinction between want and need. How do we understand the concept of need further? I want to talk about two different outlooks, right? One is the Western outlook and the other one is an Eastern outlook. By Eastern, of course, I mean Indian. So in the Western outlook, you have something popularly called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's M-A-S-L-O-W, if you want to look it up online. It's just some American guy called Maslow. Sometime back, he just drew a pyramid chart, you know, with different levels of needs and everyone kind of made it popular. I don't know what. It's okay. But it's generally what people talk about. So this pyramidal chart has different stages right from the base going to the top. So at the very bottom, you have basic needs and that covers stuff like food, water, warmth, rest, you know, security, safety these things would make up an individual's basic needs, according to this guy. And the next stage after that is something he calls psychological needs. So under this banner, you have intimate relationships, friends, prestige, you know, a feeling of accomplishment. These kind of things, according to him, make up an individual's psychological needs. The next level, which is the very top, you know, the capstone, is what he calls self-realization needs. So under this particular banner, he's got things like achieving one's full potential, you know, or creative activities, you know, something that is more closely related to our episode purpose. It's not easy. Check it out. So to come back to this, you have basic needs, psychological needs, and then self-realization needs. Initially, he meant it as a linear stage process, like first you want your basic needs to be covered, then you would think about your psychological needs. Once those are covered, then you would think about your self-realization needs. But then over a period of time, people kind of debated back and forth on this. And now they popularly land on, it's not really a linear stage by stage process. Any individual would keep switching or flowing, you know, from one of these states to another. Right, So if my basic is covered and then I go to taking care of my uh, friends or relationships in life or prestige, etc., maybe something bad happens. You know, I break up with a friend or my business goes kaput. Now I'm back to my basic needs. So the conventional understanding of these Maslow's hierarchy of needs today is that an individual will keep flowing between different stages basic psychological and self-realization. That's the Western sort of popular treatise on needs. In India, way back when, these needs were described as the four Purusharthas, which are, again, very popularly known, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. So the theory behind this was, from the very beginning, an individual would have these four kinds of needs or these four kinds of stages that they would have to balance in their life overall. 
So what they used to kind of say was eventually overall in your life, if there's any imbalance between these four stages, dharma, which is purpose or duty, artha, which is wealth, economics, kama is love, you know, you could say sensual pleasure or any kind of love, you know, love has many forms. And moksha is, of course, spirituality, the path to liberation. It's kind of talking about the spiritual pursuit. So the understanding was that, again, any individual would keep switching or flowing between these four states or these four kinds of needs. But overall, they have to strive to achieve a balance between all of them because any kind of imbalance would, you know, impact a person negatively. So the pursuit of righteousness or duty in multiple kinds of situations, as long as you are a manager, what's your duty as a manager, do that well. You step out, you come back home, you're a father now, do that duty well. Oh, look, you're also a husband, do that duty well. You're also the guy who does the dishes, do that well. You're also the garbage man, do that well. You know, so on and so forth. So whatever duty is there, do it well. But then there's also the pursuit of wealth or the pursuit of security and safety, you know, in multiple forms. Then there's the pursuit of love. If you overdo it, if you chase the tail too long, that's going to be a problem. If you don't chase tail at all, hey, maybe that's even that's a problem. Who knows? And then, of course, spiritual pursuits, if that's something that catches your fancy in your youth, or if you live your life as per the conventional stages, and then only in your old age, you finally come to a state where, you know, the spiritual pursuit is the only thing that interests me at this point of time. Even then, you know, that's going to be okay, as long as overall, it balances everything out. That's more or less the funda between the Indian way of talking about a man's needs or an individual's needs. So the reason why I went more into this needs structure is because the idea was that it would just help provide more definition from both different outlooks, the Western outlook as well as an Eastern outlook. And probably that also helps define what needs are. When we say needs are more or less essentials, the bare essentials that we would need, that we require, anything that is not these things, you know, you could say those are wants. So then that probably raises the question, right? Like, is it possible to be content in our present life without our needs having been met? Because if you look online, what you're going to see is you're going to be bombarded by content that tells you it's very important to be content with what you have. It's very important to be content in life. Okay, but what if in your individual situation, it's not yet the right time to be content with what you have because some of your needs are missing? Maybe if you worked on covering up those needs, then probably you could say it's appropriate for you to be content. That sort of distinction goes unmentioned very often. And that's, of course, why we're talking about it on a Thai Gap podcast, because that's what we care about. Things that go slippity slidey in the dark, things that people don't often mention, things that get swept under the carpet. So I think, first of all, the question to be asked, you know, is, are all my needs met? And then there needs to be a brutal honesty about what our needs are, really. Then there needs to be further proofreading into our list of needs to check whether a few wants actually crept in because, you know, that's something that happens very easily. So once we've pruned those out to only be left with our list of essentials, bare essentials that we need, then that informs us whether it is appropriate for us to be content with our life right now or not. 
Because if all of those needs are present, then the message is, yes, I guess you have to be content with what you have. But if a couple of those are missing, then I guess that becomes like an action item or a to-do item to take care of those needs first and forget about contentment for the time being because it's not appropriate for you to be content at this moment. So that's the reason why we went into needs in a little bit of detail. Now let's talk about the second thing that makes contentment not so easy. Because on one hand, you have being content, which says, hey, just be happy with what you have. And on the other hand, you have things like purpose and ambition. On the surface, it could look like there's a conflict between these two. How can you say I need to be content, be happy with what I have right now, and in the same breath, talk about things like purpose and ambition? How can I be content if I have to plan for something bigger later in life? How can I be content if the very concept of purpose reminds me of what I don't have yet? It reminds me of what I need to do, what I need to keep doing to eventually get something that I don't have right now. How do you reconcile contentment and purpose or ambition? So one thing is right. Contentment is more or less about the present moment. It's about our needs being met in the present moment. Purpose or ambition, that points towards planning or strategizing towards some moments in future. There is a reason why these two don't clash, why these two do not actually come into conflict with one another, because it doesn't make sense to be discontent about a futuristic goal. If you think about it, that's like being frustrated about some desirable object that didn't just appear in front of you as soon as you desired it. If you thought of something that you wanted, that you wished for or that you desired, and if it did not appear right in that moment in front of you, imagine being frustrated at that. Imagine feeling discontent about that not happening. That's absolutely ridiculous, right? And that's the reason why these two things don't clash. Because contentment is only about the present moment. It has nothing to do with the future. Ambition, purpose is only about the future moment. It has nothing to do with the present. But maybe the only thing it has is, in order to get there, there are a few things you need to be doing in the present moment. That could be the only relation. But otherwise, contentment and ambition or purpose do not come into conflict with one another. There's also the fact that actually knowing our purpose, actually realizing what our overarching goal is in life, actually knowing what our ambition is, actually having an ambition to aim at, that itself could actually be a source for contentment in the present moment. What I mean by that is, in the present moment, us having the knowledge of where are we going, you know, the things that I'm doing right now, why the hell am I even doing those things today? There's a clear answer to that question. Because we know what our purpose is, because we know what our ambition is. So just the fact that the underlying reason for our actions in the present moment are not undefined, they are not vague, that itself could be another source for contentment in the present moment because it's not like we're staring into the abyss. The third reason why contentment is not easy has to do with the distinction between fulfillment and contentment. We have to understand the distinction between these two words because they're kind of parallel lanes. They could very easily be confused for one another. But again, the basic clue is, if it's a different word, it's got to have a different meaning. No matter how subtle, no matter how nuanced, it's still got to mean something else. We can't be having two words that mean the same thing. That's just poor language. So in order to get to this fulfillment and contentment and the distinction between them, 
I want to start off by talking about the LARP or the liberation of the LARP. By LARP, it's an acronym that means live action role playing. And that pretty much is a word for playing pretend, you know, just making shit up as you go, winging it. That's what I mean by LARP. So to whatever plans we make, whatever things we do, whatever plans we see other people making, successful people, when they eventually cross over to success and then they start making speeches or they start appearing in videos talking about, you know, the carefully laid plans and how those plans got them there. It can be shocking when we realize how much of all of that is nothing but a LARP. This is something, again, was mentioned in a previous Tiger Podcast episode or episodes, but it's one of the big open secrets, you know, that even if you scream out at the top of your voice, there's going to be a very, very, very few people who actually understand what it really means. To the rest, it's just going to be a sentence that was yelled out at random. And the open secret is there are no answers. You know, there's not going to be any answers. There's only theories. All we have is theories that could be debunked at any given point of time. We've never had a universal source of authority, like let's say God, just appear in front of us and say, yep, this is the right idea. You know, just imagine, picture yourself on the shitter as you do. And you're thinking about the deep questions. You know, you're thinking about the deep mysteries of life. Something we talked about in our episode, the bathroom incubators. Check it out. And you're thinking, what could be the meaning of life? Is it theory A? Is it theory B? My friend said it was theory C, but I kind of lean more towards theory D. And as you're playing out these scenarios in your head, it's not like the moment you land on the right theory, you know, there's going to be a proclamation from the skies, you know, the skies are going to open up and ding, 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 ding. You got the right answer. You figured it out. You win this prize. No one's going to do that. So it's very possible that while being on the shitter, you actually figured out the meaning to life. But then you just jumped off from there to another theory because there was no validation. There was no confirmation of any kind. So you were not sure whether it was right or not. You did not stop guessing. There could be two reactions to this particular open secret. One is of dread and nihilism and cynicism. You know, it could be of, oh, what's the point then? What is the bloody point if there's not going to be any confirmation? There's not going to be any validation. The other reaction could be, that's actually a liberating thought. If there's never going to be a confirmation or a validation from any official bona fide source of authority, that means it's pretty much open season. That means you're free to try whatever resonates with you. That means we are free to do whatever feels right to us. Because who knows what the answer really is. So how much of it all is a LARP and how there are no universally proclaimed rules or restrictions is actually a liberating idea. For example, there are hundreds of thousands of English podcasts out in the world today. Some of them are extremely popular, influential. Most of them no one has even heard of. So who knows what a great episode actually sounds like? You know, who knows what a great podcast episode sounds like? Who knows what it should sound like? Who knows what is the best, objectively, the best template or a structure for a podcast episode? All of these people who are doing podcasts, who are succeeding majorly, who are failing, they're all offering their own theories out of experience. They're all trying it out in their own way. But no matter what their experience is, overall, what makes a good podcast episode, what makes a good podcast template or structure, it continues to be a subjective thing from a listener's point of view, right? Is it entertaining through and through? 
or is it stuffed with value that you know gives more to a listener with every other listen like every time they listen to the episode again they find taking away something different from the episode is there that much value stuffed in it or is it an elusive balance that was struck between the two all of that is subjective to the listener's point of view so best i can do is to try and larp myself as close as possible to what rings true in my head as for the topic of course and just give it a shot you know what feels right for me what resonates with me and this is of course because i'm recording this episode solo when i record these episodes with brute then it is our collective experience what resonates with us what feels right for us you know just figure that out and give it a shot who knows because at the end of it all i know i'll only be content if i gave it all i could with whatever time i had to record the episode or to prep for the episode if i know deep down that i gave it my all in terms of research in terms of rearranging things for a better listening experience in terms of editing it in a way so it doesn't waste a listener's time as much as possible so if i know that i did whatever i could for this particular episode with the time i had then that knowledge is where i'll derive my contentment from that's what will make me feel content whether it ends up being a good episode or not that's you know not in my control and that's not my judgment that's going to be for others for thigap listeners to judge but at least in the effort in the preparation i can be content now here's where fulfillment comes in i will derive fulfillment from the fact that this activity continues you know that we have a podcast it is still active and i will derive fulfillment from the fact that an episode was supposed to go out this week and i was able to put out an episode this week regardless of whatever else was going on around me i was still able to squeeze out the time somehow that gives me fulfillment i'll derive fulfillment from the fact that this episode was supposed to go out on a thursday and i did manage to put it out on a thursday as long as it's thursday somewhere in the world that is something that will give me a sense of fulfillment So here's the distinction fulfillment seems to involve doing the thing or having done the thing as per a prior commitment that was made whereas contentment seems to involve how well i thought i did it how involved was my effort you know so if you take a couple of steps back contentment seems to be the experience that speaks about while you were doing something which you could translate it as the present moment whereas fulfillment seems to be the experience that speaks to in and around that thing you know there was a commitment that an episode should go out thursday if it is going out on thursday fulfillment there was a commitment you know it could be to yourself that you would try to do as much research as possible you would try to think of all the things that you think can add value to your listener and arrange that in a way that makes sense according to you and if you ended up doing that contentment If you thought you want to start a podcast and while starting it you were not really sure where it was going to go all you knew was that I want to commit to it on a weekly basis and I want to keep it going and about 90 episodes down the line if it's still going fulfillment you know so I hope that makes the distinction between fulfillment and contentment a little bit easier to comprehend there are a couple of other small points as to what makes contentment not easy one is contentment speaks about you know being happy with what we have in the present moment but at the same time there's social media 
where everyone's putting up the best versions of themselves, their best curated moments. Some of them, yes, we have to grant. Some of them could be organic. Some of them could be genuine. But I don't think we'd be too far off by saying most of them are probably not genuine. Most of them are probably manufactured. So there's a lot of comparison going on there. There's a lot of competition going on there. And that's what we face when we use social media. So how does one get to be content with what you have with that in your face? Because social media will very quickly remind us what we don't have in the present moment. And the other thing that goes unspoken is when people say, no, you should be content. Technically, if you go online, people would say, when you see something like that on social media, you should remind yourself or you should not feel discontent by seeing that. It is impossible to not feel something, especially when we have a reptilian layer to the way we behave. There is a thing called reflex. You could be the most bravest, most courageous person on earth. But in your peripheral vision, if you feel like I just threw an object at your face, you are going to duck. That's just reflex. So we have to allow for that. When we look at social media and when we are reminded of something that we don't have, and if you're trying to be content with what you have, there is going to be an initial sting. Let that sting pass. To think that the initial sting itself is wrong, that would be a problem. The sting is natural. The sting is reflex. Let it sting, but only for a moment. And then we use our better senses to remind ourselves, okay, I just saw something on social media that reminded me of what I don't have, that made me feel discontent, even for a fraction of a second. So if you reassess and if you look back at that, once again, we'd have to analyze whether that was a want or a need. Most likely, that's going to be a want. So then we have to discard that as not being a need, therefore not eligible for contentment. If that is a need, then I guess we have to be grateful or thankful to that person that just reminded you that one of your basic needs or basic requirements was not currently being met. So then that gives us a, a to-do item, you know, a box to check off. But while this is a thing that we could be exposed to on a daily basis, there is something else to compare that with in terms of prioritization. You know, let's say your sense of contentment vis-a-vis -vis social media versus social standing. By social standing, I mean the people that are there in your social circle, the people that you meet offline, interact with, your friends, your family, any general acquaintance as well. Have you broken any of their trust? Have you let them down in any meaningful way? Were you disloyal to any of them? Were you cruel to any of them? You know, these questions, I feel, bear more weightage than what we come across in social media. So if any of the answers to those questions regarding social standing is a yes, then my theory is that that is always going to be feeding towards your discontentment. So if being content in the present moment is a goal that anyone is pursuing, I believe that in the social standing with the people in our lives, whatever needs to be remedied, whatever amends need to be made, those are very important. Those need to be made as soon as possible because that is also a basic need that needs to be fulfilled. Otherwise, there's no way in hell we're really going to be content with ourselves. The other thing that makes contentment not so easy is the fact that the relation contentment has with skill or subject matter expertise or competence is not often talked about that much. But I believe that that relation exists and that's another way to feed into contentment. What I mean by that is if we have a skill 
if we are having expertise over any subject matter, if we have competence in an area, you know, that distinguishes us from the immediate surroundings, then that also becomes a source to take contentment from. Because there is something in life that you're naturally good at or you're naturally better at than people in general around you. And you know it. You're not blind to it. You know it. So that not only feeds into a sense of contentment, but it's also important to ultimately figure out what your purpose in life could be. And this is something, again, we talked about in purpose. It's not easy. So overall, those are the reasons why I believe, as of now, contentment is not easy. Let's do a very quick recap. The distinction between want and need has to be clarified. Then the interplay between contentment and purpose or ambition. The distinction between fulfillment and contentment. And the weightage or hierarchy between social media versus social standing in relation to contentment. And how competence or subject matter expertise also feeds into contentment a little bit. Once again, I feel it went a bit longer than we are usually used to. But this concept of contentment is, like I mentioned earlier, a baseline state. You know, it's not a transitory period as much as the other emotional swing states. It's a baseline state that on average, we're going to find ourselves more or less in this territory. And that is why contentment is so important to focus on. Once again, if you stuck around this long, kudos to you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, agreements, disagreements, things that you know were left out, anything of the sort. On Twitter, we are at ThighGap. On Instagram, we are at underscore ThighGap. Our email is mindthighgap at gmail.com. Once again, my name is Bogus Noog. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why contentment is not easy. Thigh gap, subscribe and share.